deep shot. He's got the touchdown. And Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I am your host, Colin Hallboom. I am joined, as always, by Scott Capron and Bodan Yard. And today we are going to talk about the cowardly coaching results that resulted in catastrophe for the Bucks uh, regarding their 23 to 17 loss in overtime. Um, before we get into that, though, I'm going to ask if you are joining us for the first time, uh, please make sure you click the subscribe button. If you're watching us on YouTube, we need to build up that subscriber count. Follow us on Twitter. That's on the screen as well. And make sure you're checking out Bucks Game Day for all your written content. So before I let either of you two intervene, I want to start with the bad. And there's a lot of bad to talk about. Uh, in fact, it could take up the whole damn show. And it starts with coaching. Todd Bowles specifically is someone that I have been very fond of and very complimentary of as a defensive play caller. I love him in that role. Um, but with this being his first head coaching opportunity since 2018, since he was fired by the Jets, he needs to be evaluated on a completely different set of criteria, obviously. And boy, oh boy, as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I could not be more disappointed in Todd Bowles. And this isn't one of those like I'm not. You know, I'm not mad, just disappointed situations. No, no, no. I'm mad and I'm disappointed. It's both. And, you know, in this game versus the Browns, he had his incompetence on full display. It was unbelievable. I, I want to start with the first the first major issue with this game. And everyone knows about it, but we're going to revisit it anyway just to really get that, that fire burning deep inside of us, uh, which apparently Todd Bowles has none of himself. I don't know. <laughs> So uh, just uh, over 12 minutes left in the game, Bucks are leading 17-10. You know, they're kind of struggling their way to a victory, but doing what they need to do. That's at least how it felt. Uh, and they found themselves in a fourth and two situation on the Browns 37-yard line out of suckups range, especially on a shady weather day. Um, so, you know, ultimately, I guess in theory, you could consider punting. I mean, I don't – anyway, based on where they were, it would have required a damn near perfect punt in order to pin the Browns deep anyway, right? So um, as if we're back in 1999 or something, the Bucks took a delay of game penalty, tried to draw Cleveland offside, end up punting the ball for a net gain of 17 yards. So very limited advantage in field position. Uh, and more importantly, they don't have the ball and they don't have any points on the board, okay? And now just regarding this decision to go for it, with the, you know, of course, as football fans, as guys who cover the league, uh, we talk about fourth down and, and a lack of balls that exist on a lot of coaches and, um, and and then the few coaches who do show a propensity to go for it in these situations. But the surrender index on Twitter, it's a tweet we all saw floating around. So this decision we're talking about here in the fourth quarter to punt the ball to gain 17 yards and give the Browns a chance, that decision to punt ranks in the 96th percentile of cowardly punts, let's call it cowardly, <laughs> since 1999. So talking about 1999. So even compared yeah. to the days when overly conservative decisions were the norm, this particular decision still stands out. Pretty unbelievable. I, uh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start, honestly. It was just, first, well, actually, you know where I want to start? I'm glad, Colin, I, and if everyone can see our, our text during the game, I was so happy that you were mad and it was mad, not disappointing and not any, cause you're the biggest fan here, obviously. And there was no like, okay, they're still up seven and they didn't like turn the ball over, blah, blah, blah. No, you were pissed immediately. And like, so rightfully so um, that, that punt surrender index, the way that it's referred to as cowardly, by the way, is hilarious, right? Like it just, it shines such a funny light on how poor the decision was. Um, Ultimate ball, don't lie. You know he's punting it through the end zone at that point as well, right? Like, there was never a doubt that they were going to pin him on the yeah. three. That's just, like, 100%. It's just – and here's the thing for me. It's like, okay, it's it's lack of balls. It's lack of gumption uh, trying to go out and win a game, which they haven't done, like, all year, it feels like. Just gone out and tried to play to win, coach to win. Um, it's also just the wrong decision. It's just the wrong out of the three op or let's say four options between going for it, kicking a field goal 
Um, and Ponty is so three options, I guess. Sorry. It's the worst one. Like, at least uh, maybe you're at the fringe of suck-ups range, but at least there's value in being up two scores. There's there's some value in that, right? At least trying it. But doing this um, was just disgusting. It, it honestly made me sick to my stomach to watch and knowing that we had to talk about it. And then, and of course, they lose the game after. And, well, I, I have a, another point to make about the press. We could talk about the press conference after. So, yeah, yeah. You just go ahead with go ahead with the actual decision. No, like, how do I put this? I don't, <laughs> I don't want to like sound like I'm like trying to put. We've had three days to think about it, and it's still just a loss it's, of words. Like, well, like, yeah, it was dumb. It was just, it yeah. just is dumb. Like, it was just, it just didn't make any sense. But I think the thing about this, it's the the saddest part about this is like where Collins started this off with is just like Todd Bowles is a good coach. He is actually a good defensive, like a, a very good coach. He is going to get murdered for his performance over this season. And mm-hmm. like, if he ever gets another head coaching job, I don't know what fan base is going to be excited about that. Cause it's, it's just like, it's so blatantly obvious. He has no idea what's going on from a game management perspective, like right. a 0% yeah. idea. And I know, and you use the word coach there. And I know he's he's a football coach. He's a he's a good coordinator. He's a good yeah. caller, and I'm sure he's a good actual no, coach, I, like of coaching defensive players. And, dude, I and, think and like even even on, like I think honestly, I think he's a good coach. I think he, I think they've installed things that are good. I think that the players are well prepared, but he has no idea how to execute a game plan or even have a game plan when things go wrong. He gets punched in the mouth, and he has no idea what's going on. Like it's, it's just like. Unfortunately, a huge part of that the job is being able to make decisions on exactly. the fly. On the exactly. fly, things but change. Like, but like, I think there's a very there's a skill set there of like he knows how to prepare a football team to play a football game. Like he's good at that, but he has no idea how to navigate the decisions of a football game, which is yeah. makes you a bad coach, I guess. Right? Like, I yeah, guess that's, it makes you a bad coach. <laughs> but like, they, he has a very high skill level to coach football. And yeah, like, it's a he- the the term we're just missing there to decipher the difference is a head coach. Head yeah, coach. that's it. Hundred percent. He's good. Like, coach. The, the I think he's co- a good coach. I think he knows how to prepare his players. I think he's not like horrible at the job. It's just that he just he can't make the decisions. He just can't. It's just it's, no. he's just bad at that part of the game. Which, by definition, then makes him a coordinator, which is totally fine. And for the totally five fine. five millionth time, I will say. Yeah that a coordinator and a head coach are completely different jobs. And by no reason or stretch of the imagination should you be looking for the next best coordinator to be a head coach. It's just different, especially defensively, I find. And Um, especially now. I think especially now because guys are like the the game theory of football has evolved so much from where the 90s were, where you could just have two bad decision makers but good coaches on either sideline and they – game would play itself out the best team would win but now you can have a, a way better game manager on one sideline and a horrible game manager on the other sideline and that team with the better game manager ends up winning because they're able to execute a game plan now I, i've always said it's funny like I've, I've always said that i would rather my head coach be an offensive minded coach if given the choice let's say it's coach a versus coach b same resumes whatever um However, in the case of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I was all aboard the Todd Bowles for head coach tra- train, right? Like, I, if it was between him and Leftwich, it wasn't even close for me. I wanted Todd Bowles. Um, but what he has done is just really reinforced my, my lack of belief in defensive coaches because the problem is, at least in Todd Bowles' case, I don't want to generalize, clearly he is so narrow-minded and, like, stuck in his – train of thought that defense wins football games that he's unwilling to navigate from it even in a scenario where you have the greatest quarterback of all time um a more than capable offensive line like let's be real like all the skill positions on offense like you have you have to understand and objectively evaluate your team strengths yes the d's been playing good but you're not winning games with defense offense will always trump what a defense is capable of doing even if they execute perfectly yes and, and the his defense last, doesn't get the chance yes. to put points on the board. His inability to realize that to me is crippling and something I can't overlook anymore at this point because this game is a microcosm of his general philosophy on these things. And we're past, like I referenced the year 1999, whatever. We're past 1999. That was a while ago. 
almost a quarter of a century, in fact. Yeah. So, yeah. so come on, bro. Get with the times. Like, enough. Like, how, and, and Scott's like, do these guys not – what do they ask these guys in interviews? Like, in the unique case of Todd Bowles, I think he didn't have to interview, right? Because his interview yeah. was, was his job as a defensive coach and how he was in that locker room over the last few years, I guess. So, I mean – I just – Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, it was I, I, Ben. I think it was like Ben Solak over at the Ringer. It's not just the interview; these guys literally neglect their families, like stay in the facility for weeks at a time, like days at a time, and like do not see people that they that they care about. Game planning, try to figure out what they're like. They get an edge, and then they get to a Sunday, and it's like not even a hard decision. No, what are you what are you punting for? This isn't yeah. even a hard. This one well, wasn't even a hard one. Boat in. Oh my God. That's such a great point. That's so funny. Cause I've yeah. seen, I saw someone tweet about that too. Now I can't remember. It was like, Hey man, maybe that's too many hours in the office, right? Seriously. Like maybe yeah. we should put a limit on it. And secondly, that's my thing. These aren't difficult decisions. <laughs> These aren't 53, 47% decisions. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they're just, it's so it's the combination of sackless, gutless football that they've been playing the entire year by the way which we'll, we can get into with just their play calling yeah. and the general vibe around the team uh-oh we lost scotty he's muted there folks. yeah you got mute there um not sure that happened i was enjoying the tangent you back big boy looks like you are yeah sorry um oh great i was fi- i was up firing on all cylinders here probably but anyway <laughs> It's the gutlessness of this the decision and just the fact that it's the wrong decision. Put it all together and it's just it's just it's it's indefensible, man. It, it just it was truly unbelievable to watch at the time. Unreal. Yeah, and I gotta give it to um, Scott Reynolds over at Pewter Report, uh, because during the post game or sorry, not the post game, it was like whatever, a couple days after the press conference. Uh, he was grilling tall bulls. He was asking him. He came right out swinging. Yeah. And uh, he kind of asked him straight up, like, why didn't you go for that? And he, like, referenced how how the odds and everything was against it. And he, like, you know, it's like he made a daring decision, a daring conservative decision. Because it's so stupid and outdated. It's, in fact, daring. And, like, the yeah. minority of everyone would have. You know, it's fu- that's the way they've been talking about Russell Wilson. Um, and like his inability to actually take shots downfield this year is that he's almost like doing these performative checkdowns where he's like, oh yeah, Drew Brees like got so much was so like celebrated for checking down on these big on plays and then like having a big play later on. He's like, oh, I can do it. I can do I can do the Drew Brees thing on like every play. So like even if I see a big shot, I'm gonna perform. I'm just gonna show them that I can do the checkdown and do the safe play here on football. It's like don't like make the right play. Just do the right thing. That that might be the best thing for your future here, Todd and Russ. Yeah, and some of Bulls' comments, though, were uh, were also a big part of the problem to me. Yeah, and and what, like so what, what Scott Reynolds said is like, why didn't you go for it? And he said, I thought our defense was playing good. I wanted to put the game in their hands or something, which is just stupid. I've already explained why. We don't need to get into that. We all agree. Um, and then so then Scott Reynolds aptly follows it up with, so do you not trust your offense? He said, no, I trust my offense. And it's like, well, dude. How? How? Yeah. How, how is that true? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And then anyway, so let's discuss the other end of the field. Um, there's a limited amount of time, like under two minutes. The Bucks D, couple, the Browns find their way around the just outside the red zone or whatever, right? Bucks hold them to, after a great play by Levante David. Fourth yep. and ten. All right. And in that situation with how much time is on the clock they're either so they're either going to get it and and score or they're going to get the first down and score or they're not and the yeah. game's over right so instead of calling a timeout knowing it well in the off chance that they do score a touchdown here on this 4th and 10 play um we need to give Tom Brady some time to march back down the field and tie the game cuz cuz if he had called a timeout after that play let's pretend we knew what was going to happen they score a fucking incredible, miraculous touchdown. A couple people tried to rip on Devin White for that. That was utterly ridiculous. I thought, Devin, yeah, that's crazy. Devin White played a great game. That's just a mythical catch by Njoku with his last. Also, hand. and t- that needs to be mentioned because it, it it's it's just been talked about. Like, oh yeah, Cleveland scored on fourth down. What a catch! True. Like, yeah. So, and it was on fourth down from yeah. the twelve. Like, fourth, yeah. And and Njoku makes 
I don't know, one of the 10 best catches of the season, all, right? Like, given the situation, it was incredible. So, that to, all that, all that the Bucks fucked up, they had that play stop that and they win too, right? So, I'm almost glad that it happened because then it doesn't give the coaching staff an out like we still won the game or we let, let, put put it in the defense's hands the defense played so well they played so well but eventually if you keep punting keep giving the other team chances this is what's going to happen i just yeah. thought that the fact that cleveland actually scored and, Nj- and njoku made such a great play hasn't been discussed but it needs to so colin thanks for mentioning that yeah 100 percent. i'm glad you said that man for sure it was a it was a miraculous play but as a coach you need to be prepared for whatever scenario is going to present itself okay so like they're either getting the first down and scoring or they're not. So you need to preserve clock with your timeouts at that point. He chooses not to. They score. They tie the game. And because he let all that extra time roll off, they were down to like 30 fucking seconds yeah. to drive the field, which is just a travesty. And tr- Tom Brady, not two games ago, let, a, let us under a minute full field drive to win the game versus the Rams, right? After leaving, a, like, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, so he got grilled on that understandably and, and again a great job by the the tampa bay media sports media in there who were who were giving them the gears but then so they get the ball back they run the ball to rashad white who gets stopped and then they throw like a tom brady an absolute dart of a pass to julio Jones to put yeah. him at midfield unfortunately at that point there's like six seconds eight seconds, eight seconds. Eight seconds. Thank you. Yeah. the point is he wasn't using his timeouts. He cost his team a chance to, to not go to overtime. And in I want to bring it back to this goddamn fucking press conference where he somehow managed to make himself look way worse. The <laughs> one time, like all you could do here to endear yourself to anyone, and it wouldn't be everyone, but a few, you could get a bit of that pity respect is to come out and just say, I fucked up. Yeah, you know, in different Can't words, I made a mistake. I like people admire that so much more than trying to double down with absurd excuses. And the two excuses he came up with for not using timeouts were he wanted to play for overtime. He thought it was going to overtime at that point. Well, that makes fucking sense. What? And then he also alluded to being scared of throwing an interception, Thank which you. doesn't make sense on two levels. First of all, it's just Tom, two Tom Brady. Yeah, well, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. The two big ones. It's Tom Brady. Guy just is on a historical pace for taking care of the football. Okay? Okay, that's one. It, there was less than a 0.5% chance of Tom Brady throwing an interception, an interception based on his numbers this year alone. Okay? And then if you bring that in, like, fourth quarter, last-minute drives, it's, like, even lower. So there's that, right? It's the, the, I'm sorry. But anyway, even if that was, was a reasonable excuse somehow – uh. You threw the ball anyway. You let them throw the ball anyway. <laughs> yeah, the last play was a throw. <laughs> like what the twenty yards over about? the middle of the field. So which is it, Todd? Which I, is um, it? Yeah, it's yeah. He looks like a guy who just can't take any accountability. Honestly, that's that's all it is. Like if you were a petulant teenager, I think you could take more accountability than that. Like it's got- it's insane to be like, yeah, well, you know, Tom might throw an interception there. That's why I didn't call a timeout. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, it's, if, if, like I, I can't even imagine getting that. I can't imagine getting that excuse, that level of excuse in that situation from a child, like from a kid. Yeah, you'd be like, okay. Go I'm ahead. like, well, yeah, I guess you've never been in this situation before. Here's how you take accountability. Like, I have just, you never done this before? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But the in Bulls' defense is seems like every coach is like that. Right, yeah. seems like every fucking coach is like that. It's so never their must fault. Be, no, never Actually, their Jeff fault. Saturday, the the lesson learned by Jeff Saturday, immediately just being like, "Yeah, man, I wish I had that one back." Yeah, exactly. Jeff Saturday comes out somehow and has it just as inexplicable coaching decision, not using a timeout. That was absurd for anyone absurd, who watched yeah. it. Um, on that last last drive of the game, not using his timeouts, they lose the game. Not just as absurd. Nothing was as absurd as this. This it, was. It was like Nathaniel Hackett level absurdity, but like in terms of like the situation with the Colts, like they clearly had a better shot at winning the game if they used this one timeout. There. Yeah, at I would least. say it was it was a more directly correlated to the immediate loss, not loss. having a yeah, immediate loss. time. Like it yeah. was ridiculous. Okay, well but, we can dive into that. I kind of disagree, but that's okay. Well, um, but yeah. but the fourth down, the lack of the timeout on fourth down is just there's no. They, they either score and you get the ball back with more time than like 
or they don't score and you run the clock out. Like this isn't, this is, it's just, it's just insane. And, and what I was alluding to earlier, I think when I kind of threw it to Bo, it's just like, it's a true, the cover up might even be worse than the crime. And the crime was pretty fucking bad. You know what I mean? Like speaking about the press conference being the cover up, obviously it's like, man, say anything but that and not, and it, the response was basically incoherent. Like it was, ba- it, it wasn't even really a sentence, right? Or really an answer. And the Brady interception comment, obviously insane. No, uh, yeah, that that clock was ticking down. We're going overtime. Like, what? Do people may, I like like Colin just said. You endear yourself. You endear yourself so much more if you can just say, "Yeah, man, I I that got on top of me" or something like that. But nobody can do it, and it's so frustrating and this league is full of it and it's it's just um, unbelievable unbelievable matt rule came out today saying uh you know oh (laughs) you know matt rule came out today saying um he had no say in who the quarterback was i don't know i follow a couple panthers beat writers who was like yeah he is lying he made this (laughs) right like he's just straight up lying about it as yeah. he's coaching in college now like fuck he's already yeah he already has a new job yeah still won't take millions of dollars like and he yeah. still can't do it so oh my god oh oh it's so bad it's so bad yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, like there's no more hiding it there's no more like me for me personally anyway be like he's such a good defensive play caller yeah it was a bad game i'm kind of like pinning it all on left which like not to say i haven't been acknowledging um Todd Bowles deficiencies but it's it's gotten to a point now where it's just so utterly ridiculous he can't be ignored and I I don't know how it's going to be solved but I know who can help us dig to the bottom <laughs> is that of that music yeah <laughs> by god that's Josh yes welcome <laughs> welcome welcome Josh hey, April in the building from Pewter What's Report up? wrote a great article on uh on a lot of exactly what we're talking about now Josh I don't know if you just jumped on or if you were listening at all to uh, some heartfelt displeasure expressed in regards to this Buccaneers coaching staff, primarily the head coach, Todd Bowles, and how uh, awful of a performance this was. And, I mean, lots went wrong, and you said it in your article, execution was part of it. But, I mean, if you ask me, Todd Bowles cost his team a very important win against a what should be considered an inferior opponent, and I'm not sure what else there is to – to not to take anything away from the Browns, like Scott said, it was a hell of a play at the end of the game, but can't give them those chances. Um, yeah. Handed them the W. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you he coached to not lose rather than he coached to win. Whole season of that, yep. it seemed like he coached to tie more than anything. He was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't well, want to lose would... or win. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say so. I, there's a lot of bad game management to go around in that game. Most people have latched on to the inside the two minutes, not calling the, the timeout before the brand, Browns were in their last play, not calling the timeout after the first down um, screen to Rashad White. I take it all the way back to the, the fourth and two at the Cleveland oh, 37. Yeah. That, to me, was the most egregious. So that would be coaching to not lose. And then the, the clock management in the two, two minutes, the, that's cl- – I mean, he said it in his presser. He was coaching for the, for the overtime. So that's coaching the tie. Um, yeah, all of it was just straight out of 1969. Yeah, it, it was terrible. Yeah, I, Colin, I, Colin gave it too much credit with 1999, but yeah, that that's that, that's what he cited earlier. Yeah, totally, Josh, 100% agree. The punt was ridiculous, and you know what? I, I was going over the game log after as well, and they punted five straight times um, before overtime after getting that 17 to 10 lead. You know what? So. Again, I didn't. I guess maybe watching the game, I was like, okay, yeah, they got up a score kind of midway through the third. They probably gave the ball back a few times, but five times they got the ball back to try to make it a two-score game and did absolutely dick on offense, running the ball into the ground again, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that hasn't been – I feel like that hasn't been brought up. I saw a few people bring it up on Twitter uh, as much, but just because of the, the game mismanagement was so egregious and so, so glaring, but – the fact that once again you can't get to this mythical number of 24 points on offense that you know would have foreseeably ended the game at any point in those next five possessions, right? It's I'd just take 20. Oh, sh- hey, <laughs> sure, yes, 20 would have done it. 20 would have done it. Yeah. So uh, it's just oh, yeah. they're, they're so um, hard to watch. 
I I just about lost my mind in the post game presser. Bulls cited. I want to say they were in third down sixteen times, right? And it was third and long eleven times. And he's like, "Yeah, we we got to convert those." I'm like, "You're out of your mind if your if your strategy is converting third and longs. What are we doing? Game, yeah. What That's are been, we doing here? It, yeah. Oh. Well, well, Josh, not only are they finding themselves in the most third and longs, they're they're converting them at a historically horrible rate, like the worst of all time, I think. At least checking back a few games ago in terms of their third long conversion rate, which is makes it even more perplexing. Yeah, I, I said this a little bit earlier tonight. Um, in my mind, coaching at its core, when, when you're talking about game management and script and, and scheme, is giving your players the most margin for error you can. 100%. The yeah. player's job is to try and perform as close to perfect as possible. But as a coach, you should try and give them as much leeway as possible. And this coaching staff is doing the exact opposite, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going back to fourth and two because th- that's the one that just sticks with me, right? Mm. And and I hate, I absolutely can't stand when a coach goes, "Well, I trusted my defense." Oh. Bullshit. Yeah. You yeah. don't trust your defense if you're saying, "I need to punt." and give them more yards to work with yeah it's, it's counterintuitive yeah it's cognitive dissonance like it <laughs> does not make sense yeah. if you trust your defense you Go should be it. willing to say given 63 yards right yeah let's say that the offense can't get a single yard i've got 63 yards to work with you know what i trust my defense okay exactly. yeah. that makes sense exactly all right and if you don't trust your offense, give them as many shots as possible, right? Yeah. Shotgun that approach, right? Just yeah. we're going to fire as many shots as we can and, or, or as big of a, a spread as we can and see what sticks, right? So mm-hmm. that drives me insane. And, and what he was doing in that situation with both his offense and his defense was giving them zero margin for error, right? So yeah. fourth down, I don't trust my offense to even try to get two yards. And I don't trust my defense. I got to give them as many yards as possible. So, and and I'm telling them, you've got to maintain a one score lead. That's giving them little margin for error. Now you see why I said, let me in. No. <laughs> and, and you trust your defense. And that's such a great point. Cause if you really trusted them, of course, then you go for it and say, all right, they're still not going to drive 63 yards on us. That's, that's, that's totally fair and, and dead on the money. But then it just goes back to those, all right, we're going to we're going to make our defense make six consecutive stops to end this game because we're not going to try to score anymore. Yeah, we're not going right? to score any points in the last No, we're, oh, we're not going to score anymore. That's for sure. I mean, that's a that's off the table. There's six, <laughs> minutes, there's six minutes left in the third. We can't do that, right? So, the whole and if if you're so uh, old school or whatever that you think a defense can just last and last an entire game there. It's that's not how it works. It's just not possession to possession week to week. It's so hard to be that good on defense. And they, the defense did everything they could for the first, whatever, 95% of that game. Right. And And it's just, and, and this defense as fantastic as they've been all season, this has been the MO, the late fourth quarter allowing, Mm. allowing a score. Um, everybody goes back to, and I think you guys were just talking about it um, uh, Saturday, right? In his press conference and the, the dichotomy between what he said and what Bull said. I go back to a post-game press. Uh, it was like a locker room situation. The Jaguars game. Did you get you guys caught the end of the Jaguars game? Oh, yeah. Jag- yeah. Uh, against yeah. Baltimore. Um, they they had uh, the safety for this the Jaguars. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, oh, right. Andrew Wingard, right? Nice job, yeah. Oh my gosh, what he said, like that's a, a dude who's like, my head coach trusts my offense, they trust my defense. So he was he was on cloud nine about the fact that Doug Peterson's like, we're going for two, we're going to win yeah. or we're going to lose right here, right? We're yeah. not going for the tie. And, and the analytics community would say that's probably the case because the Jaguars are probably a worse team than Baltimore. So you don't want to go to overtime where now – the the probabilities are that you're going to lose because you're the worst team. Yeah. You go for the win when you have the opportunity. But just seeing how pumped he was about his coach saying, "We've got ballers, we can win this here." Like that's what you want to see. 
right? And and you see it with Harbaugh and the Ravens, right? You remember last year where he's like, Lamar, you want to go for this? You want to go for this? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, let's do it, right? Those are the yeah. coaches whose teams run through walls for them. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, Doug Peterson, I think the, the OG of that, asking your quarterback, at least when they're mic'd up, was in that Super Bowl, right? That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Philly special. Philly special. Yeah, so, Philly yeah. special. Yeah. And, yeah, like much to Scott's pleasure, if he had missed that interview by Wingard, he started it off no, I- by – by bringing uh, Urban throw Urban Meyer under the bus too before. Yeah, that's right. Be- before what a weekend! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trevor Lawrence didn't have a rookie season. He had to deal with Urban yeah. Meyer. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Oh, so Scott, Scott got the Wingard jersey on order. Uh, he's mm, priority yeah. delivery from UPS on the way. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, Ohio State once and back. Now, yeah. Josh, you you missed, but I had to uh, give some flowers to your boss, SR, for because I thought he came out swinging in that presser. Man, he, he goes hard in the paint. He was not scared. He was going hard in the paint, and I appreciated it, man. And, boy, did he get some underwhelming answers. I mean, unbelievable how Todd Bowles decided to address that. I mean, you know, being honest about making mistakes, I think, is the only option at endearing yourself to anyone, which I said, you know, earlier, but just for for your sake, Josh. And um, for him to not do that and double down with such absurd, illogical reasons or supposed, like – Got a theory on that. Yeah, let me hear oh, it, man. Please, I, 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 bring I, it I think on. I can understand where Bowles was coming from when he said I was afraid. You know, what if Brady throws an interception? All right. So this is one of those like Charlie Day with on the whiteboard trying to connect that <laughs> ten thousand things. Earlier this year, Bowles said that some people were living in the Super Bowl. Right? They were still living off of that. I think he's still living in 2019 because if you go back to 2019 there's a real concern that your quarterback's going to throw an interception. Yeah. James yeah. Winston. James yeah. Winston. But that's what it is. He Maybe was, doesn't look anything like Brady. who his quarterback well, was. Fucking, he kind of looks like, like I'm Brady. afraid James <laughs> is going to throw 30 interceptions in the last minute of the game. And we're going to lose. <laughs> well, so, it, now it's I wish he said, I wish he was like, you know, I can't put the ball in James's hands in that situation. I, I if he would have, if he would have said that, then totally worth it. The whole season would be. <laughs> oh my god! If Bull said, "Listen, yeah. I just don't trust James out there." Then, yeah, we'd be like, and, "Oh, he has a head injury." Endearing. I would have. That would have. I got have that tattooed on my back. Honestly, yeah, would have been so happy. So and then and then you tie that back to Devin week two after the game. Hey, we knew Jameis was going to give us the ball. Now it comes full circle. <laughs> There's my conspiracy theory. Conspiracy. <laughs> I, I get it. But I, I true. It's does he not know that he has Tom Brady? Like, I, I does anyone I ask him? Like, well, I don't think that that enters his mind. I don't. I don't think, think so either. Considers who the quarterback is. <sighs> I, I'm not going to try and make excuses, but you know, the defensible bull position is my offense has struggled all year. Why should I trust them? Hmm. Right. And if you look be under the hood of that, your offense can be a lot better. It just can. Yeah. And you, yeah. your management yeah. style or your offensive coordinators schematic style is holding that offense back. Just What's slightly. The, do you have the stat on the play action stuff, Josh? Like, isn't oh, it I like, have it. They're like last oh, in actually. Course. They're like overwhelmingly last. Yeah, it, it's calling plays, but they but they're like top, top five, five production. in production. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> like, today. Too. What? Yep. Yeah, and oh, there's a whole bunch of sh- the neutral first down stuff. Um, like th- when they pass on a neutral first down situation, they're like top five in the league. And then when they run their 29th, just to be more specific, because I know some of these these uh, first down run pass numbers are, aren't being offered in context fully. And I, 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 Josh, I saw you go at the GOAT, Greg. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, give you guys, I'll give that you guys a little behind the scenes on that one. So, yeah. So Greg Amon, um addressing a, a fan's uh, or, or a, a Twitter followers question about first down runs versus first down passes. He went with um, just kind of, uh, uh, he just gave, this is the number of first down runs. It's the number of first down pass, which puts the bucks kind of right in the middle of the league. Um, I got frustrated by that. And I just said, look, I'm begging you to give some context. Let's go neutral situations, right? So that is where you're not in a two minute offense because in a two minute offense, you're going to pass right. Almost exclusively excuse the numbers. And in uh, when one team is not um, 
an 80% favorite to win the game, right? Based on the, the score and the time left in the game. Um, and when you control for those things, the Bucks fall below the average uh, in terms of first down pass rate. Um, and what makes that so egregious, it's not just the fact that, okay, they're a little bit below average. It's that when you look at the efficiency of them passing on first down, they're like sixth in the, in the league. Yeah. And when you look at the efficiency of running on first down, they're like 31st. Okay. So this, all of this together would show you that if you are around 16th in the league, it was 14th or 16th in neutral um, situation, first down uh, pass rate, then you're not maximizing your offense, right? You're not doing what would lead to more success. Yeah. So um, I was going back and forth with uh, John Ledyard and, and uh, Paul Atwal, and they had slightly different numbers. So John had them at like 14th or 16th, um, and I think he got it from Ben Baldwin, who's a great follow on Twitter, um, really does a lot of great stuff with NFLR data. Um, and Paul had the Bucks at 18th, right? And they were trying to figure out why they had the numbers different. And John goes, oh, I only asked uh, Ben to pull first and 10. Paul, you're doing all first downs. And Paul's like, oh, that is, that, that, that's exactly it. He goes, which means that when the Bucks are at first and more than 10, first and 15 or first and 20, they run the ball even more. Yeah. It's 29th in the league in first and, and more than 10 um, pa neutral pass rate. So when Byron yeah, Leftwich says we need, we have more than 10 yards we have to get, this is where we should run the ball. <laughs> Let me get a little bit more room for my kicker is all he's saying. Oh, my God. What it's a concoction. A what a concoction between Bulls and Leftwich in this perfor their performance this year. I mean, based on the, the roster that Jason Light's given them to work with, I don't know. Like, is this worst-case scenario? Like, did anyone envision it being this bad if it went wrong? Like, it's kind of hard to believe, um, and it's even more hard to believe that they're still in first in the NFC South. So it's it's all it's all been just a weird dream for me, and I think yeah. for many Bucks fans, and hard to diagnose. Mm -hmm. And we're just constantly working our way through what the f is going on. So, here's, so here's, I will give you a small tidbit into maybe Jason Light's culpability here. If you look at roster turnover from the 2020 season to now the two teams that have the least amount of turnover in the NFL are the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Mm. Generally, roster turnover is good for maintaining a good team. Um, you know, the Bucks famously did the run it back in 2021 where they brought back, I think, everybody except uh, the backup safety whose name is escaping. It literally might have been all 22 starters, though, wasn't it? Yeah, or 21? yeah, yeah. yeah, it was um, something yeah. And uh, so while in when you look at it kind of under a microscope, you say these are all really great players. Why wouldn't we want them back? In general, when you look at macro trends, stagnation, roster stagnation typically leads to worse results. Mm -hmm. And the Bucks and the Packers are both living that reality this year. Now, I can't point to, hey, these are holdovers from previous years that are holding the team back. I still firmly believe that this coaching staff uh, is specifically the offensive schematics. And then this one game's egregious game management mm -hmm. is preventing the team from um, really unlocking what they could be, which is yeah. they easily should be, you know, seven and four, uh, what is it? Seven and four uh, rather than five and six. Yeah. I, uh, Josh, that's that's solid to bring up for sure. I think in the case of the the Bucks, Bucks though, like there were no complaints with this roster. In fact, I was jazzed about this roster. I think Mike yeah. did a hell of a job. Yeah. I think he brought back the guys he's bringing back are Mike Evans or Mike Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and like you know Ryan Jensen and all all these important guys. So I really don't think that applies to them in this case. I mean, I could certainly make some complaints on the Packers' behalf, not adding some some weapons on the outside. Um, but so anyway, generally I would agree like the turnover would make sense, but I do think that's not a fair place to place any blame in this particular case. I'm with you. I think it's, so, I think a disproportionate amount of the blame needs to go to the coaches. And I think that's yeah, just inevitable with how, what's what we're seeing oh, on the field. Josh, you're, Josh, you're still muted. Sorry. 
Sorry, I oh, mean, yeah. need to cough because I'm yeah, no, 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 no worries. Um, I, I, I agree with you, Colin, in, in terms of, and like I said, what nobody looked at this and said, oh, they're not turning guys over. This is a bad thing. I would even argue that Light learned from 2021. You don't see JPP on this team. You don't see Nandamakun Su on this team. He he saw the run it back method didn't work, and he was making very strategic changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a very interesting point that's not brought up enough. Um, it's a guy from PFF who uh, kind of uh, brought brought it to my attention. Um, his Twitter handle is PFF Moo. I have no clue what his name is, but um, yeah, he's a mathematician. Yeah, uh, yeah, really smart dude. Um, although he's also the guy who said that the Bucks should trade Tr- Tristan Wirfs, so not one hundred percent. Okay, I'm gonna kill him, Colin. You know PFF, <laughs> yeah. PFF, PFF Moo. I heard he's really into accounting. <laughs> uh, come on, so, not yeah. bad off the hat, off the top. Um, yeah, but if he's if he's trading Tristan Wirfs, Tristan Wirfs, he can get the fuck out of here. Um, Dude, that's that's really interesting from the roster turnover standpoint, though. Like that's just a just a interesting kind of yeah, you wouldn't expect trend. Um, I don't know. To me, it just proves how hard the league is as well, mm-hmm. and that and that puts even more of an emphasis on the teams who have a coach, a coach with a pulse. Like, look what Mike McDaniel's done for for Miami this year, right? Just as an example of getting the most out of his team and. Um, I mean, the Jags record doesn't uh, doesn't reflect it, but I think their point differential yeah, and kind of uh, yeah, been in every game would, would you know would certainly lend you to think that Doug Peterson has done a good job there. It's just their, the their rosters. Pythagorean win expectancy is like tenth or eleventh in the league. Yeah, there you That's go. Great. Right, it, and they're only I think they're, they're four. Yeah, so it's just with the roster, the, the players are so good, the rosters are so good. We've seen. However, whatever the oh, I should have pulled this up, but the percentage of games that are decided within one score is uh, as high as it's ever been, I believe, in the NFL through this amount of weeks. It's just such a slim margin for error. So when the coach fucks up as royally as they did this game and just how they have in general, it just puts you so behind the eight ball. Now, like Colin alluded to, they're in this division, which means they can somehow host a playoff game, which is insane and that doesn't justify any of this but it does at least provide some sort of rope a carrot at the end of all this i don't i don't even know what to think anymore. are you guys with me now that they're not going to be favored in that playoff game if they get there depends. it depends on the matchup oh it very God. much depends on the matchup uh bo i'll i'll give it to are you, you guys gonna bet are, are you guys going to bet on the tampa bay buccaneers in a playoff game right it now? depends on the matchup uh, oh so, my god so, all right all right Bo. let let me ask you yeah. so let's let's pose some hypotheticals so right now they would be i want to say the seventh seed but if they yeah. move up to the what would that no be? they'd be the four seed no no, no yeah, i'm i'm talking about a potential opponent oh, yeah, so if this particular opponent ends up being uh it being the five no i was gonna say oh, seattle sorry. seattle so if Seattle has to yeah. travel 3,000 miles yeah. to play in the Eastern time zone against the Bucks, who the Bucks just had a solid game against Seattle, you don't, think the Buc- you don't think mm. the Bucks are, are going to be favored in that game? And yeah, you they're gonna money, be, yes, you want to put money on the money team. line? Yeah, yeah. Give, me, give me Gino. Give me Gino. <laughs> I'm riding. All right. Man, That's, I don't know. Washington's just, another great example of a yeah, team yeah. that I would say the Bucks are favored against. Now, if uh trying but to couldn't that also be dallas it very much could be it's probably going to be dallas because dallas is favored chase down philly yeah so dallas is favored at tampa in that game it's it's a field goal at the most though but like it's but not that's a- the amazing thing about what what and what should give bucks fans hope is that they can potentially turn this on the pieces are all there but how many more they weeks, beat dallas Josh? In Dallas, they thwarted Dallas. They knocked the shit out of uh, Dak. All right. There's not another team in the NFL that you would have faith in right now if they had the exact same performance that the Bucks have had. Well, so they have Tom Brady at quarterback still. Like, I know, I know, I know. They have Tom Brady at quarterback. I get it, but I'm just saying but what it we've remi- seen from this team and the their ability to manage a game. No is, doubt, 
like should be tattooed on your forehead fraud like that is like fraud behavior week in and week out but that's why it's so frustrating because it's like yes clearly if they do things right for the first time all year then yeah (laughs) Yeah. it can be turned around but it's like when when do they not it's like the 10 seed that i've been high on in every every season leading into the ncaa tournament okay right yeah they lost in their first they they lost in the first round of their conference tournament again but if if everything falls right, they can make yeah. a run to the Elite so, Eight. They lose I, by like 20, if, if Duke is by that 10 seed I, I will be yeah. Mr. Silver Linings. All right, yeah. you ready? I'm going to give you two examples. So New Orleans in the playoffs, 2020. And yeah. then the yeah. Chiefs game plan, right? Yeah. Todd Bowles went against everything he's ever known and loved as a defensive coordinator and a, a schemer in that Kansas city game. He ran a ton of t- cover two and quarters four man pass rush. He didn't blitz that much. And it was probably an all time great game plan um, against Patrick Mahomes. Right. And, and so many people were saying the following year, like Todd Bowles broke Mahomes because everybody started running two eye shells and they were, he was struggling with it relatively. He was still Pat Mahomes. Right. It was one game, you know, change in everything that he, he, does but he's shown he can do that and as a coordinator yes as a coordinator sure but he's still calling the defense and on the other side of the ball like fair enough scott he hasn't shown it as head coach i'll give you that but on the other side of the ball that season following that chicago game coming off the bye byron leftwich turned it around too josh big time that year no doubt and that's my biggest concern my big he's coming off the bye after the seattle game i was hoping for a hell of a lot more than what byron showed against no kidding. I, no kidding. It's yeah. been really, really ugly. And we've like, I can't even talk about Byron Leftwich anymore. Like, I, like we, you know, everyone feels the same way. It's, it's not even a subjective thing anymore. It's but just, it's not even like it's week eight. You know what I mean? Like it's really been a long, like there's been a lot of games they've played now, right? They're five and seven and it's just five and we six. Have, five and six. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we just haven't seen already giving them the L for new Orleans. I know I'm already, I'm already getting ready for the Monday nighter. Um, This is going to be a tough one to preview. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I hope it happens. And that that is, that is encouraging that we've seen bowls in, in left, which adapt, but the way they've handled press conferences, the game to game lack of, of change we've seen for the first three months of the season is just so discouraging. And I, I hope I do. Last week I said they could turn it around when we discussed it. I thought that they could get hot, maybe some get to 10 wins, host a playoff game, and then and then you're playing Tom Brady in the second round of the playoffs, whoever, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, the Vikings or something, let's say, right? I don't mind the I don't mind the box if they're in that matchup if they're clicking on all cylinders. But this game was like, and I know it's just one data point out of 17 games, but it was just so egregious. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I. I don't want to overreact, but it was. It's just a tough one to bounce back from and to actually see. To see how poorly it was. Uh, to see how poorly it was handled during the game. And and I know we've discussed this, but afterwards in the press conference is just so. I don't know. Just so illuminating in a bad way. Right, but there, are, like Josh has said, though there is time to change. So, like, all we can do is look forward and not, like, not to say what you're saying doesn't matter. But they, they need, they have games against the Falcons, they have games against the Panthers coming up. They're playing the Saints. They only need three wins, according to Josh's boy here, PFF Moo. They they only need three wins to then have a 76 percent chance of making the postseason. So, like, they're in great shape to make the playoffs. And what you guys are talking about, well, what we've seen, what we've seen doesn't look like it. doesn't look like it's possible. It looks like a tall task. This NFC is so wide open this year, if you ask me. Like, I know I know, a couple teams have looked fantastic. Okay, but the NFC is still very wide open compared to previous years. And I know. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I can't quit. I don't yeah. want to quit them. Yeah. I don't like them. No, I I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm out, though. There, there will be no yeah. more. Not taking any more uh, gifts off my kids' uh, Christmas list this year. It's, that's enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, that Mike Evans over is gonna fucking haunt me all day, especially after Ooh. I see the Quapo t- tweet, uh, tweet that he's just like, yeah, Brady doesn't like him anymore. Like, what's going no. on? No, yeah. no, no, no. The targets are up. The yeah, problem yeah, is Josh, they're not those connecting. Are your exact oh, yeah, yeah, words. Right. They're not connecting. I said that the the connection is broken, but yeah, not that yes. he's not trying. Yeah. Uh, 
the I want to say the last five games, he's targeted Mike uh, more than the first five games. Problem is, they're not connecting as much. They, and they the, will. The misses have been like in some of the worst possible spots. I think because you had the clear delineation mark of the Panthers game, and I was just like, oh, yeah, what happened during the Panthers game? Like Mike oh, Evans yeah. just like body switched with me or something like in a Freaky Friday situation, <laughs> just couldn't catch the ball. Like it was a, it was a shitty Sunday, Bo. Yeah, of a Freaky Friday. Seriously, and like yeah. I've been catching everything. My kid's throwing shit at me. I'm like, yeah, Beckham. It's hands. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but he's talking about that relationship being broken and talking about Mike Evans, like you is, have a bone, his son is. <laughs> yeah. Is instant replay broken? Like, what were the officials doing not looking at that sideline catch by Evans? That was an incredible catch. and That really was. The yeah. replay, I think it was good at the very least worth reviewing, but I, I think it was good enough to overturn it, the call on the field. Mm. I tweeted it out right at, at the time as soon as I saw the replay. I said, why isn't that getting looked at? And we can't blame that one on Bulls nope. um, because that one goes upstairs. So uh, NFL officials let him down there. That was big. would have been a big play in the game. And um, – yeah, and all of that, all of this happened, and we're talking about this one game, right? And and we've discussed that Njoku uh, makes a miracle catch. What a great catch. And then they win the toss in overtime, of yeah. course, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of yeah. course they win the toss. And then they get and the you, ball and, back another time, in, like the second yeah. time in overtime, and they still – oh, yeah. It yeah. was just in the stars. It was in the stars. And like yeah. as Josh mentioned, the punt, it – you know, you don't want to say it comes down to one thing too often, but you can. I had a sick feeling in my stomach. I, full disclosure, I also laid the three with the Bucks in the game, so I was even slightly more invested than usual. But as soon as they did that, it was just, oh my God, man. Like, I thought the defense was going to have to score for them to win the game, basically, because yeah. they were going to play not to on offense. And I thought a tip pass at the line, and who knows, maybe, Weird maybe fumble. white. Yeah, exactly. And, I don't know. Okay, boys. That's 52 minutes, almost 52 and a half minutes talking about the Bucks coaching staff. All right. So we're halfway Um, through. There you go. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to shift gears because the other unfortunate result of going to overtime, just like Todd Bowles aspired to do, apparently, uh, we lose maybe the second most important player on our offense um, in – Tristan Wirfs, what looked like a terrible injury that we I didn't even get to see, like, the proper replay. They said it was too gnarly to show. It Jonathan, wasn't. Yeah, Jonathan, it wasn't. But it, Jonathan Vilma's a tough look for him that day, eh? He's, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, you great. guys, you guys I, don't have any animosity towards Jonathan Vilma. I Vilma's. very much disagree <laughs> with almost everything that he said on that broadcast. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. It so, was yeah, bad. It, it was it – was, it wasn't that, like, egregious yeah. of a – like. Like oh, there wasn't bones sticking out or anything like that. Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa comes in on a blitz, decides that he wants to leap into Keyshawn Vaughn's arms, like yeah. they're you know as we all long do. lost lovers. Keyshawn <laughs> said, "I'm not about that life, bro," and throws him right, yeah. and he just happens to land on the back of Tristan's leg. Like it was not like this. Oh my gosh! Like Dak Prescott leg a couple of years ago. Yes, it, it wasn't. Gru- it wasn't gruesome. I think the assumption was because Worfs was carted off that it must have been bad. Like just the the impact that's going to be generated, even if he is a light, speedy linebacker. Like, but yeah, Tristan Worfs so. has literal tree trunks for legs, and it's a high ankle sprain, and he's out for a matter of weeks. That's dodging a bullet. But I want to know how the Bucks are going to survive because Donovan Smith, a guy who. I was so pumped up when he came off that elbow injury and was back when this offensive line needed him because he was so solid the last couple seasons. Um, he's been one of the most criticized Buccaneers like ever over the course of his career when he was drafted. Like He's been a punching bag, oftentimes deserved. He's really regressing of late. Yeah, Josh, drive killer on Sunday. Like The, the penalties, I feel like he's got seven – he's drawn seven flags on his own in the last three games. I don't know. Um, but anyway, now Tristan Wirfs is out. So you and me are going to get into another Josh Wells discussion here. Josh, was that right? Was that you who was defending Josh Wells? And we got, we were, I said that he didn't play that terribly in, or not that he didn't play terribly in the Rams game, but that he was playing on one leg and he played admirably for the situation. Um, the only saving grace for Wells and I'm taking it week by week with him 
is, uh, and I have no clue where the, they're at stand right now because everything's a day behind since it's a Monday night. So we didn't get a, uh, official injury report from the saints, but the saints edge rushers are, have been like super, super injured. I want to say at one point, was it last, it wasn't last week or two weeks ago, Peyton Turner, uh, Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan were all out. So if that continues to be the case, Josh Wells has a puncher's chance. Um, if Jordan is back, cause Jordan typically rushes from the left side, which means he'll be lined up against Wells on the right. Um, I don't like Wells' chances against Cam Jordan, even though Cam Jordan's starting to see the decline in his career. Yeah, he's taking a step back for sure. Yeah, yeah I don't um, know. sorry. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I was, I think I was on uh, Boom's side. I, I remember, I remember when Josh Wells checked into that game, and the first few reps texting Boom like, uh, I don't know about this. This this doesn't seem normal. This doesn't seem like what I'm accustomed to seeing from that right side of the line. Well, that's because um, you just take that for granted. Yeah, and you Tristan totally do. Wirfs is you just take him for granted. Like, yeah. that's that's fine. That what I don't care what's over there. It could be both the Boza brothers. That's going to be fine. Yeah. But he's no Andrew Thomas because he plays on the right side. Good <laughs> God. I had you yeah. back on that one. Yeah, you did. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Come that was on. a good one, though. That was a good I saw that one. And I, I saw it get handled fairly quickly. So I was like, yeah. yeah. You got to get into a back alley with your boy JQ once in a while, you know? No kidding. (laughs) No shit. You know he's going to have your back. I'm just saying objective people would say Tristan Wirfs is on a different planet right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and he's at a different position. So, like. Yeah. What what did you guys think of uh, Rashad White on Sunday? I was pleased. I I thought he looked good, personally. Started started off with a bang. I mean, obviously the Bucs, the way their game plan came it's kind of super hard to like understand what they're doing and how they mix the run in the past feels like they have no idea what they're doing um but regardless i thought he looked way more spry than what we've seen from from fournette and um uh, capable of having a really effective run game i i was all over his receiving props if we're talking betting like i i was over the yards receptions um and he blew that out of the water i think he had nine nine catches so yeah it was nice to see him get involved in that element as well because of course that's as we've talked about that's what was his greatest skill coming into the league but i've been impressed with him as a runner to be quite honest with you me too i i think he's really good man sorry like that's space i I think he's legitimately uh a potential rb1 on on a good team the 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 dynamic of cast catching the ball out of the backfield is just so huge and especially for a guy like brady who gets to his check down when he needs to uh to have somebody he can trust like kind of a a james white type in new england but also you know when there is a hole feels like white can can maximize a run i think he's what a nice what a nice draft pick honestly like just it it seems like they nailed that one yeah it's like for exactly for what this scheme is and what they want to do on offense like it seems like that's 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 the guy you want back there. Yeah, he's a much better fit than Lenny for a lot of what the Bucks yes. like to do in terms of duo and inside yeah. zone, um, because his vision, in my opinion, is, is a hell of a lot better. He finds the the right holes and, and he he can hit them um, at the right time. Uh, the field yeah, did him can, in on a few of and those. He can make plays someone miss Cleveland. too. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the field yeah. did him in a little bit on some of those plays in Cleveland. Obviously, the field conditions weren't great, but I do remember there were at least two that stand out in my mind. I think one was a catch, one was a run, where um, he actively slipped and, and it prevented him from picking up um, at least four to five extra yards over what he would uh, what what he would have gotten. So yeah. I'm excited to see what he does on Ray J turf because I think it'll be a much better field conditions for him. Um, and I've been calling for him to be RB1 since like week four. Yeah, you have. Yeah. You have. Absolutely. You've done it on this show a couple times. And I was like, slow your roll. And that's as a guy who was out on him in the draft. Like, I will readily take my L on that. I had him as a seventh rounder. Um, And the reason, like, I loved everything in his game, except one thing that I thought was going to get him killed, which he had a propensity when he was in the open field to, and this was at Arizona State, um, when he was in the open field and somebody was coming up to just make, like, an open field tackle, he'd just jump in the air. Just, like, that was, like, a... uh, like a hurdle. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, he, he's going to die. 
Like you do that in the NFL, yeah. somebody's going to Keyshawn Vaughn you, right? Like, or, yeah. or somebody's going to fall on Tristan Worf. Exactly. Yeah, Toss yeah, you exactly. right in the Tristan Worf's back, yeah. back of his leg. Yeah. Um, so yeah. for that reason, like I dropped him way down my board. Um, and I, I will readily take that <laughs> loss. He's, look, he's looked fantastic since then. Jo- Josh's board, cause for concern, dead. Yeah. <laughs> might, but- might die. <laughs> but like all forward-thinking, logical, reasonable-minded individuals, Josh Capo is able to navigate off of his initial plan, or unlike the Buccaneers coaching staff. <coughs> um, and we appreciate you for that, Josh. So uh, thank you for jumping on, JQ. It's always a pleasure to have you, man. I love that you made yes. some time and wanted to be in here. Make sure you're checking Josh's workout at Pewter Report. Follow him on Twitter at Josh underscore Capo, as the name is spelt on the screen, I believe. Um, and give us all a follow while you're at it. Make sure you are subscribed to the Bucks Banter Podcast on YouTube. Check out BucksGameDay.com for continued written coverage of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We had more we wanted to talk about tonight, but there was just too much coaching that was no, too was cowardly. No coaching. No coaching. Yeah, yeah. conversation about no coaching. Too many yeah. coaching issues, yeah. Yeah, so we had to talk oh about it God. even more. And I hope it's the last episode we have to dedicate so much damn time to talk about cowardly coaching and the catastrophe that ensued because of it. Um, we're on to New Orleans in Tampa Bay, Monday night football. Let's see if the Bucks can can make a statement in the division and uh, against a team so- that's had their number of- for some time yeah don't worry they've only had super normal games with new orleans lately so you know that, that's a nice yeah. a nice one to come off of the browns loss and you know, god pretty much on that yeah. note <laughs> be well everyone go box keep your heads up peace out